Welcome to Mostly Max and Other Things. I am the aforementioned Max, and welcome to another week of this thing I'm doing. Um, hope everyone's doing well, take care of yourselves, and all of that good stuff. Let's get into it, shall we? Okay. First off, uh, yesterday we got uh, the verdict in the court trial for the murderer of George Floyd. And it was guilty across the board. And bitches wanted to be high-fiving and clapping and shit. And um, I'm not going to do that. Um, This is a drop in the bucket. This is um, the system protecting itself by sacrificing one of their own. Under any other circumstance, everybody would have crewed up, but they didn't want any smoke. Literal smoke in the city. So they all, you know crewed up to make an example out of this one cat, which I thought might be a possibility, but I also thought it was a possibility that um, nothing would happen and Mansdom would get away with it. So the outlier. Someone said, and I do believe this is going to be the case, Mans is going to go to jail and become like the Grand High Wizard of uh, the clan or some shit in jail and basically run the whole uh, table and shit. It's not going to be what we think it's going to be. The protection will still be there. The, the you know, closing ranks is still going to be there. He's not going to suffer the way that we'd like him to suffer. Um, you know, they're not going to put him in gen pop so that the people can come see about him. Um, none of what we think is going to happen is going to happen. And also, we still got to hear the sentencing. You know, that's one thing. We've been disrespected with a with a bullshit sentence before, and that is a high possibility because you know they like to wait and they think shit blow blew over. Everybody's you know, you know, uh, giving each other high fives and shit, and uh, wanting to go back to sleep. Like, hey guys, we've solved racism and institutional uh, terror at the hands of the state. Good job, everybody. Let's go back to sleep. Fuck that shit. And the murders still continue. People have been murdered while this case, this case has been going on. They killed a little girl in Ohio yesterday while the jury was giving its verdict. So, no sleep. Everybody stay fucking awake. I got more words on that, but that'll come later. Um... Uh, I'm happy for George Floyd's family in that they can say there was some motherfucking consequences for somebody's actions, but that's really it. This is not justice. This is motherfucking consequences for actions. And that's all the fuck that we want. We could cheer and clap and throw, throw hands up and shit and celebrate when cops are not murdering people in the first motherfucking place. And I tell you what else, gourd your fucking loins because this fucking summer, these motherfuckers are going to unleash terror like we've never seen in retaliation for one of their own getting binged, for, you know, being held accountable for their motherfucking actions. This is the reason why laws got to be put in place, money for toys so they can play fucking war games in these streets got to be taken away. This is what we mean. When we mean defund these motherfuckers, abolish these motherfuckers, because you cannot train their bullshit away. You cannot reform their bullshit away. It is in the motherfucking bone marrow. Okay. 
Motherfuckers are coming in to do this type of work. The place is awash with white supremacists. You can't train that away, okay? Take away their fucking toys, tag them in their motherfucking pockets, stop letting these bitches do war games in these streets, and run terror campaigns in neighborhoods like mine. Please and the fuck thank you. And that's all I got to say about that. Speaking of fucking demons, Lori Lightfoot had the wild rumors going on about her this week while she was um, busy pretending she didn't cover up the murder of a 13-year-old or a cover-up how the cops pulled up on this naked social worker in her house and terrorized her on camera and all that good fucking nefarious shit that that ghoul seems to like to eat. Apparently, there was a rumor that somebody started about how she was out getting triple toppy behind her wife's back. And, um, you know, the potent- the the rumor was that she was uh, doing all this triple toppy with, like, um, this chick on her, this cop on her detail, who was a cutie, so I could see it. Um, and the, the story went that um, the wife found out about it and um, Lori put hands on her or she put hands on Lori and they had to call the people. The baby called the people because they got a kid and the kid called the people. And yeah, that was what it was. And the rumor was that she was going to tap out, you know, this past Monday. Now, we know people don't tap out on their jobs for fucking around on their partners no more. Maybe if she did put hands on her wife. You know, that might do it. People still kind of frown on domestic abuse, sort of. And, you know, optics of the little ruffian putting hands on her wife is not... That doesn't play nationally. But Lori got on the Bird app and said a whole bunch of fucking nothing. And uh, really, fuck her. (laughs) I'll just put it that way. Just fuck her and her dry ass hair and her poorly fitted suits. Fuck, fuck her. She is an upholder of terror against her own fucking people. And you know how I feel about people who carry water for the state. Fuck her twice. Um. Anyway, she said a whole bunch of bullshit. She ain't denied she wasn't getting triple toppy from unknowns outside the house. You know what I'm saying? So do with that what you will fuck her twice anyway i've been um binging younger um and it's a show about this woman who is 40 years old and pretends that she is 26 years old so she can get a job in publishing because she you know was working in publishing at the top of her career got pregnant stay home raise the kids um, her husband turned out to be a degenerate gambler ass, um, cheater and she left him and she had to start over cause she had to pay for college for her, her kid, you know? And, um, this girl looks every bit of 40. The woman playing her looks every bit of 40. I, I don't, I don't, I don't know. It's their their response to youthing her up is to like put her in a lot of hoodies because of course she lives in Williamsburg the dude who's behind sex in the city is behind this show as well and it shows um there's a there's a lot of nonsense but it's still way better than his other nonsensical show 
um, Emily in Paris, which was so completely unwatchable. I just, I was like, you got pretty scenery and all this shit. And it's just like all these terrible jokes about the French and like millennials and Gen Zers and all this shit. It's just bad. It just looks like an old dude wrote it. You know what I'm saying? And younger kind of does too. There's a whole lot of, oh, you kids get off my lawn. And it's like, okay, y'all. But Mama does not look 26. Like the only person who could have played this part and played it with any convincing anything is Bianca Lawson because she's a witch and she can play 25 at 40. I can believe that for Bianca. They needed to get with Bianca and let her ride with this show because baby, this is not at all believable. She should have been aired out a million years ago, but it's addictive it's got seven seasons. I think the seventh and final season is rocking right now. I'm on season five. If you want some mindless, messy-ass entertainment with good fashion. There is some very good fashion in there. Lots of statement necklaces from one of the characters. My God. Like, like it gets really ridiculous. Like, she had basically what looked like a fucking mirror on her chest. It was like a giant topaz or something. It was crazy. But good show good empty watching for like these times when everything is just too terrible to deal with and there's not a lot of joy to be had in a lot of things um so there's that I read an article this week about something that's kind of like in the middle you're not fully functioning but you're not quite all the way depressed it's like right in the middle and they call it languishing I felt seen languishing is kind of where you you can function but not like fully and like you don't really find joy in things but you you know you do what you can you just kind of like you're kind of like free floating through your life that's definitely it it was in the new york times this week i I highly recommend the article i might link to it i think i'll put the i'll put a link in the notes the the show notes so y'all can check it out but it definitely explained a lot of shit i was just kind of like yeah, sounds right. But definitely look into that article about um, languishing. I'll I'll put it in the notes so y'all can see it. And yeah, I think that's it for uh, all of the uh, yammering I do at the top of the show. This week on the podcast, I have an interview with the legendary adult entertainer, Cinnamon Love. She talks about her advocacy for a safe working environment for black and brown and other people of color in the adult entertainment space as well as for sex workers it's a dope ass conversation she is super smart super dope a fucking baddie to be honest and um i'm looking forward to y'all hearing this conversation and it's coming up in two seconds Today on the podcast, I am super excited to have the legendary former adult film star Cinnamon Love on with us today. She is the founder of the BIPOC Adult Industry Collective, which seeks to make the adult industry, adult entertainment industry, a safe space for um, uh, Black, Indigenous people of color. She is also a fellow for the Sex Worker Giving Circle at Third Wave, which is a gender justice fund. She's also a dope-ass chef and effortlessly fabulous. 
Cinnamon Love, yeah. welcome to Mostly Max and Other Things. Yay! I'm so glad to be here. I'm so I'm glad so to have you. Yay! Thank you for asking me. I appreciate it. Thank you for and saying then, yes. And we were neighbors. <laughs> That's right. While. That's right. That's right. I was just thinking about that this morning. I was like, yeah, man, she was up the block. <laughs> good times. Good times. Okay. So let's get started. First question, what do you do and why do you do it? What do I do and why do I do it? Um, I am an an advocate for um, gender justice, racial justice, um, you know, sex workers' rights, because I believe, because I'm Black and I'm a woman and I'm a sex worker and have been for a long time. You know, it's, um, I, I believe that, you know, it, it's, it's one thing to talk the talk about, you know, fighting for the people. Um, and it's another thing to actually do the work. You know, it's nice. like we're, you know, it, it took me a long time to kind of find my way here. Um, but I believe it's the right thing to do. Um, you know, most of my career as a, an adult performer, I spent providing direct services to other performers before I even knew what direct service services were. Um, You know, I didn't even know what that meant, but it's, you know, I've always given people a place to stay, you know, fed them, um, you know, made sure that they had, had the tea about, you know, places that, you know, safe folks to work for, not safe folks to work for. And, you know, so it's a natural progression for me to now be doing this work, um, advocating for other sex workers, um, you know, but on a much larger scale. I love that. And I mean, that's the thing too. It's like removing the stigmas around it and treating it like the work that it is. It is work like any other job and it, it, yeah. and it should have, you know, protections and yeah. spaces for and, safety and also, like any other job. Yeah. And, and also like, it's, you know, because of the, um, because of the stigma of sex work, it's, it's acceptable to discriminate against sex workers right. in a lot of fields. And there's, and you know, and so sex work is, is, you know, encompasses a lot of things, right? So it's, it's not just, you know, prostitution, you know, and I put that in air quotes because mm-hmm. that's, it's a very dated term, um, but it's not just having sex with people for money. It's also webcamming. It's also stripping. It's also, pornography it's also um you know there's there's you know there, it's also domination like there's it, it encompasses a lot of different types of, of of labor and you know but it's acceptable to discriminate against people because they um they have an only fans mm-hmm. you know it's acceptable yep. for you know for you know someone to be to be doxxed because mm-hmm. of the fact that they and have their public information put out there because of the fact that they that they do porn or that you know it's acceptable to try to take somebody's kids from them mm-hmm. because you disapprove of their job based on morals you know moral standards which is but, always you know, a reach people- because the people doing all of this pontificating about more morality around sex work are people who are people who take in the work that's done like why are you lying like as if you don't patronize all of this stuff you know what i'm saying yeah and 
And also, like, what makes you think that just because, you know, I'm an adult and I have sex with somebody else that that means that I'm going to expose my kids to it? Like, most people are out here, not everybody, but most people are out here fucking and they're not exposing their kids to right. it. Right. You know? And we put these moral values on certain types of jobs. But the thing is, like, I know some really shitty ass human beings that are lawyers and doctors, like, you know, and I know some Facts. really, really good people who are dope dealers, like, you know what I'm saying? Who right. are doing backpack runs every, you know, for the kids at every school, you know, every, right. you know, fall, right. you know, and making sure that the old ladies on the street have turkeys for Thanksgiving. Like, you know, it's like there's, and, and I think that when, you know, unless you've had these kinds of, um, you know, interactions with a lot of different kinds of people, I think that people get caught up in the title, right? right? And they there's no nuance. Well, with you know an acquisition you know com, you know capitalist acquisition mm-hmm. with um with being a good person right. and that's not the case and it's so real. you know people so you know i think that people often you know they're they're also very much hung up on the prohibition of sex work and mm-hmm. these stories around you know white white slavery and you know that mm-hmm. without really understanding that it's that all of this is like you know uh, it's a it's something that was created as a you know a very it comes out of a very racist you know institution it's kind of like what they did with the the war on drugs it turned into you know it was very racialized the way that the laws were placed and based on who was getting punished and who wasn't getting punished yes yes i mean like literally the war on drugs and the war on sex were married to each other of course so the the whole idea of the war on drugs like the cannabis um, prohibition was centered around the fact that you know women were leaving the midwest to go into the big cities to work in fact to work in factories to work as secretaries and the story was that your white daughters are going to be caught up by these black and mexican and jewish men who are going to get them hooked on the marijuana <laughs> and they're going to, and they're going to put them out and start pimping them. Right. Like that them was the stroll. narrative that right. was, was, that was put out there. And, you know, when we think about even like the man act was, you know, of, I think it was like 1918 was created so that, you know, it, it was, it was, it was created to, to prevent people from, um, it was supposed to stop white slavery. Like mm-hmm. it was literally supposed to stop white slavery, right? <laughs> Which was never a thing that was at risk, but never, never the same energy when it was black folks though. Never same, the same energy. Same energy. Like they wasn't having the same energy about taking never. black people across state lines to traffic right. them. Correct. Like, but but it, it really was built around like, you know, protecting white women's you know, um, you know, piousness, of course, basically. So that they say so, like that pure thing that you put on the pedestal to keep their purity intact. Amen. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Whatever. But also, <laughs> but also typical. <laughs> okay. Typical. So my second yeah, question, I mean, I'm sorry, yeah, oh, go ahead. You finish. Oh, no, I was going to say, you know, and it's, and, you know, but, and now it's like the, you know, the laws have just not caught up with, you know, not only have people, people's morality not caught up, but the laws have not caught up with, you know, the reality of what's, ha- of what people are doing and, right. and the reality of people's needs, because, you know, we live in a country where, where you can have two jobs and still not be able to afford your basic needs, okay. right? And so, you know, and, and also, you know, the ways in which poverty is criminalized 
it, you know, it makes it really hard for people who have access, who have access needs to be able to get them. Like finding traditional employment is really hard for people. If you've ever been criminalized for any, for anything, like it's hard for you to even get a job. Um, If you can't pay your bills, it's hard to get a job. If you don't have access to medical care and health insurance, then, and you have executive functioning issues and you show up to work late you won't be able to keep a job like you know what I'm saying so it's like it's really it's you know you know accessing basic needs is really hard in this country and you know sex work is offers an option for people who you know otherwise can't find ways to lift themselves out of poverty yeah and so I really it's the oldest profession in the world for a reason I mean it's oh you know it's always there when everything else falls apart like if people had like the for real safety nets they needed you know i mean they wouldn't have to consider other options but they they have to do what they have to do so they can eat and keep a roof over their yeah. heads and that's a fact yeah and, and then there are people you know there are people who just really it's like you know why am i slaving myself away to make other people rich and, and i can part. do this and make more money you know it's part. like not you know while that while it does help a lot of you know folks who really are trying to find economic liberation Mm -hmm. right there are other people who are like this is this is way this is really profitable and if i can take this and approach this as a business then i can you know i can make them have a million dollars in the bank when i get ready to retire like there's you know there's you know it's a it's something that we have to, you know, we collectively, especially as black women mm-hmm. need to stand behind, right? Yeah, it's right. because we have to um, empower ourselves. We have to, we have, if we, if we're really about it and we're really about community and we're really about like black women making, you know, making, you know, making bank and black women mm-hmm. being able to live independently and not have to depend on nobody. And, you know, having, you know, like not having to go in cleaning up their dead, like all of the things that we say as black women and autonomy, bodily autonomy, and mm-hmm. all of these, all of these things. And we have to stand behind black women who are, who are down, who, who are, who use sex work as an option. Like, right. you know, it's like, you, how can, how can you say that you are, you know, pro-choice feminist, right. you know, you and know, you don't and, see and, it for and, everybody. and you don't see it for everybody, right. you know, it's true. It's like, like you, everybody it, ain't free until everybody's free. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Not, and, not everybody. Yeah. And that nobody has to extend everybody. to the folks that you, you play, you claim right. that you, you see it for, but you don't. Right. Yeah. I feel That's you. Right. Absolutely. And, I, and so, there's so many weak links in the in the chain, you know, you just be like, yeah, this is never going to happen because everybody is very committed because to being stupid. <laughs> it's just <laughs> very committed to being a dumbass. <laughs> very committed. Very committed. Yeah, very committed. Okay, so now for my <laughs> second question. Um, how did you get started in your industry? I got started because I was, um, I was 19. I was getting divorced. I had two kids, um, that were under the age of two Oh wow! and my parents wanted, I was carrying 13 units and working two mall jobs. Wow. And so I think back then in, in 93, I think minimum wage was like, like 325 an hour or 525 yeah. an hour, something, something ridiculous that yeah. I can't even imagine. Straight up nonsense was. money back then. I remember pay nonsense money. And we, you know, my aunt had suggested that I try to apply for welfare. And 
um, they told me that my 775 a month apartment was going to be too expensive and that I was going to have to find something that was under $400 a month because I, uh, my, my cash grant was only going to be 425. And so I was like, where am I supposed to move with two kids with four, for four under $400 a month? Like, I don't understand. And even you back know? then, and that's just, come on, man. Even back then. And, you know, and someone suggested that I apply for like the Section 8 list. And the Section 8 list was like 20 years long. Like it was some ridiculous, like, like, like literally, I think the Section 8 list back in the 90s was like 10 years long. Wow. And, and then there was the, you know, then, then it was like, well, you know, if you move into a shelter for three, you know, for 30, for 90 days with you and your kids, then you can get expedited housing. And I was like, you know, I grew up in a middle-class family and I, you know, in, uh, you know, the, the two, you know, blended families and, you know, single family homes and, you know, horseback riding at my grandparents' farm on the weekends. And, you know, it's like, I just, for me, it wasn't, it didn't seem like an option to be, to go into the shelter with my kids, right. you know, and I, and I had, and I had an apartment, right. right. It's, it's like, I was like, no. And so I wanted to go home to Michigan and my ex-husband who is a complete piece of shit human being mm-hmm. um, is he filed a restraining order to prevent me from taking the kids out of the state as a part of our, when we were start when we started our divorce right. out of sight. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he knew that I wanted to go home to my parents. And so he stopped me from taking my kids to mm-hmm. go to Michigan, my family. And so I was looking for, I had to find another way to, to I had to find a way to make more money. And I was young. I didn't have, you know, my options were very limited, mm-hmm. um, you know, in terms of, you know, just finding, you know, get help from legal, legal aid. I think it's changed now, but back then if legal aid was helping one party, they couldn't help the other. And so I was left in a situation with no legal, no legal help, um, you know, no, no real family help. And, you know, I was, you know, and I was stuck. Mm. And so I started looking in the back of the LA Weekly, which is like the Village Voice in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, and, and there was, it had like the strip club ads and it had like all these different things. And I wasn't really thinking about porn. Like it wasn't, it wasn't even on my radar. I had never even watched porn before. Mm. Um, you know, I saw like box covers you know, in, in the adult, in the, the family video, neighborhood family video store in my neighborhood. The, the that I back that area place. of the video store. The back area with the beaded curtain. With like the beaded curtain. <laughs> yeah. And I, but I, you know, but I never really like, I, I, you know, my, my experience with porn had been like my brother unscrambling the cable box to try to watch <laughs> Emmanuel, you know, Skinamax after dark. Right. Um, and so, but I, I really didn't have a, fr- a framework and, you know, I went into a, a club at one, you know, at first I thought I was like, well, you know, because I was in school and I'm an artsy chick. And so I was thinking, you know, I'm a hippie. So I was like, oh, maybe I can be like an artist model. Cause you know, I had my perfect little 19 year old body, <laughs> and, um, but I wasn't, you know, but I was like, I was an, I was a hippie chick, but not really an art chick. So I didn't know like how to get into that, that world to do that kind of work. Right. Um, and I kept seeing these ads for figure modeling. And it was, you know, which was the term that they used for porn back then. Mm. And I was like, you know, I called a couple of ads and it was like an agency. And I was like, no, I don't want to do that. Like that's, I don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. And then, and then I went to a strip club to audition and it was a topless club. 
and they let me do the audition, but then they asked how old I was. And I was like, I'm eight, you know, I'm 19. And they were like, oh, you have to be 21 to dance in a, in a topless club because we have liquor. Mm-hmm. But there's nude clubs you can go to. And, you know, I was like, but I don't want to be naked in a room full of people. Like that was just like, that was just like, <laughs> I, I was like that, that idea was like, I was, you know, I was, out, I was already, I was out there. I was having sex. I was having a good time. Like, you know, and I had been since high school, but the idea of doing it in, in a room full of people, you know, on stage, having a bunch of people watching me was just like, eh, I don't know if I want to do that. Right. Um, and then, and then I, there was a guy, you know, I, I came across this ad this guy lived um, in an apartment behind the Westside Pavilion, white guy who was a music producer and also was doing, um, was directing porn and um, appearing in these, like, you know, he had, was an award-winning director and he, you know, asked to meet me and we met at, at the mall and we had, you know, had like a coffee and, and I turned him down. And then, and he explained to me that it would just be, you know, it's like, you know, gonzo and amateur look is like really in and, you know, they're, they're, you know, the girl next door look was really in. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, well, yeah, that sounds great, but no. And he kept, he kept hitting me up like the, you know, the next couple of weeks later, he hit me up again and I was like, no, I'm good. And then he hit me up again and he hit the, when the, the third time he hit me up, it was the right time because I was two months behind on my rent and my son had a hole in his shoe. Oh, wow. And I was like, how the fuck am I gonna, you know, gonna get this done? Like, how, how am I gonna do this? And um, he offered me like $2,500 and it was, oh, wow. it was just me and him. And um, it was just me and him in the, in the, um, in his apartment with the camera, it was, you know, POV. And, um, and it was easy, you know, it was easy. And it was like, it was, I was literally just fucking him, but with the camera, you know, and he, that first movie was for this, this little bitty company at the time called Wicked Pictures, which is now one of the top pictures. Yeah. They're one of the top three companies in the industry now. Oh, wow. Um, But he, you know, it was a, you know, it was, it was just the right time. It was timing, you know, and, and the first three months that I was in the business, I worked exclusively for him because this is pre-internet. So Mm -hmm. he had a mail, he had a mail order business where he would send out catalogs with pictures of all of the different models that he was shooting and people would order videos with these models. Mm -hmm. And so he was really like, just, you know, I shot for him exclusively for three months and uh, and then finally, like not just with him, but with other people as well. And then eventually, um, you know, one of the performers, one of the black performers, actually, hmm. the first black performer that I worked with, a guy by the name of Guy De Silva, he was like, so who else have you shot for? And when I told him that I hadn't been shooting for anybody else, I had only been shooting for this guy, Rodney. Um, he was like, well, if you want, I'll introduce you to some people and we can get you some more work. And so he started taking me around and introducing me to other directors and took me to an agent mm-hmm. and, um, and, you know, start, you know, I started doing model calls and, and then, and the next thing I knew I was, I was in it. Oh, wow. Um, but that was, yeah, that's kind of my, my origin story. <laughs> so. <laughs> so interesting. I, I mean, it's, and it's funny cause I've heard different origin stories for for adult performers and most of them are kind of like oh you know like for the white performers 
what I noticed was kind of like, oh, it looked interesting. So I just decided I'd try it. It was like, there was like never like a yeah. duress type of story. There was never really like a, you know, this was a, this was a life or death or I needed to eat type of a story behind it. It was always just yeah. kind of like, I just did it for the funsies. You know what I mean? I mean, yeah, for me, it was really about, it was really about the money and, you know, it was purely financially motivated. Like it wasn't about just, you know, having a good time and it, it, you know, and even though like I, you know, I enjoyed it and it was fun and it was like, it fit my, my personality and my, and my, my, you know, my, my, you know, my sexual interests, like, you know, it was, um, you know, it was really about the money. And, and it's funny because like, even today when, you know, when I talk to, when I talk to fans, sometimes I'm like, I'm like, y'all don't understand. This shit is about the money for me. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I'm not, like, I'm not here just for the shits and giggles. Like I'm really here for the cash. Like, this is like I know that, you know, and people, <laughs> I think because people get, you know, because of, you know, how I present, you know, I'm a hippie, I'm, I'm an activist, like, you know, mm. I'm a flower child, I meditate, I got my crystals, you know, like, <laughs> I'm, I'm into, you know, I smoke my weed, like, I think people forget that, like, I'm really a hoe. <laughs> like, <for sure>. <laughs> <laughs> like, I want, I want the money. <laughs> like, so. I don't mean, I mean, that's it for most people, for most jobs. That's it. Like, look, this is a means to an end. Like, <laughs> like I'm yes. servicey stuff. I'm doing that on the, on the side for self, but money, please. <laughs> I'm not mad. Like, why would you, th- I mean, like you, like, it's funny how people think about the way people, the like some people's machinations for the things that they do is kind of like, you know, yes, yeah, some of it is like, yes, yeah, servicey, and I want to be uh, uh, in service to some people, and I want to help others, but really, I would like to yeah. be paid and comfortable. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I mean, yeah, and I think that, and I think that there's, you know, you can have, you can have both of those things. But like, right. I was just having a conversation last night about the fact that people have this like really warped sense of like this warped idea that like community organizers are not supposed to get paid like they're yeah like they're supposed to be, to be living in ashes and wearing rags be, like no honey they gotta get money off. like you know so <laughs> honey they gotta get money like, no, like I, I want my i want my people to be good like i want all my people to be good you know it's like right. and it's, you know it would be different if you know we were all planning on living in communes and shit but you know, unfortunately, capitalism isn't set up that way. And I like to shower, you know what I'm saying? So like, I like indoor things. <laughs> I, like, I like nice things. Like, I like nice things. I like expensive dildos. I like, you know, I like really, I, I like, you know, I like my, my artisan candles. I like to be able to real. go to the shop. I, I like 90% French brie from the bodega. Like, you okay. know what I'm saying? So, <laughs> <laughs> I like a good baguette. <laughs> I like a good baguette. Yeah, a gluten-free one for me, please. Um, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I like my, I like my yoga classes. You know, like, For real. Like, like and I that like, stuff costs like, money. You know, I like an expensive lippy. You know what I'm saying? So, like, that stuff costs money. So. <laughs> okay. So, my yeah. third question <laughs> is what do you hope to achieve? Like, what does the final form for your career look like? What do you, what do you see for yourself in the future? Yeah, I think, I think this is it. Um, you know, I'm, you know, it's interesting. Like I have come to understand the way that my mind works more, um, in the last year, um, 
and and I realized that like you know there's you know I'm I'm ready to retire I've been ready to retire for a while but financially I'm not there and mm-hmm. so you know I was really um you know driven to find a management company that can like start to manage some of my my digital pay, you know pay, you know paid premium platforms so that I can you know continue to make money um until I can, you know, so that I can allow me to do this work that I'm doing. Right. Um, ultimately, I want to be able to, you know, serve as many people as I can. Um, this business really changed the trajectory of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it enabled me to be able to provide for myself and my family. And, you know, and I'm not rich. Like I consider myself to be a working class sex worker. Like, a, you know, there, there are people who are making you know, I know somebody who makes $20,000 a month on their OnlyFans. I know two mm. people actually who make $20,000 a month on their OnlyFans. Mm. And, you know, and, you know, and of course that money is taxed. And then if you have a management company that's taking 20%, you know, right. or whatever, but, but, you know, it's like, you know, I have a dollar figure in mind and I know what I need. And I'm starting to think a lot about retirement. I'm looking to, you know, I always thought I would buy a brownstone in Brooklyn, but I can't afford that shit now. And, and as I've gotten older, like I've been thinking a lot about wanting to move home to Michigan. You know, I grew up in Flint, Michigan and my mom is still living and she's getting older and needs to have me around. And, you know, I'm, I miss my sisters and being able to sit on the back porch with them and have a bottle of wine and talk shit about our kids, our men, you know, all of the things (laughs) that we do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so like, you know, I'm, you know, I want to buy a farm and I, you know, ultimately I want to be able to, you know, so that I can, you know, plan for my retirement. Um, and also, you know, like when I, as I started really thinking about retirement, I, I came to realize that, you know, if I buy something back home, you know, I can pay it off before I'm 60, mm-hmm. um, you know, with no problem. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, I'm 47 now. And, you know, so my plan is to buy some farmland in the next couple of years and, 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 you know, really just continue to do the work. I mean, we are, you know, the community that we're serving is, is so vital. You know, yeah. we, we started out trying to, you know, wanting to attack racism and wage disparity in the industry um, because, you know, white women are paid 75% more than black women. Yeah. Um, whereas yeah. in the rest of, I was just reading an article yesterday that in the rest of the world, in the rest of the industry of, of life, Mm-hmm. that it's like 15% or something like that. But mm-hmm. in porn, it's 75%. And, wow. and, and white women are often, you know, have historically have been paid more money for sleeping with black men. Um, it's like, they, they consider it to be like a big dick rate. Um, like a hazard you know, pay. <laughs> like a hazard pay, but there's, but there's no equivalent of that to for black women. Amazing. Um, in the business. And you know, but we, we recognize, you know, I recognize that, you know, in or before we can really start to deal with all of the external shit, you know, with these, with these racist ass, you know, old boy run companies right. that we have to first provide for the people, right? Because right. you can't expect people to, you know, to not cross picket lines, you know, when they have families to feed and, right. you know, there, there are, there are people, you know, the striking is a privilege, you know, yeah. when, when you have, when you're an independent contractor and, um, and you're dependent on this work to, to feed your family and, gen- and other, you know, other folks, older folks, you know, babies, whatever you're, you know, black folks have a tenant, you know, we do caregiving a lot of yeah. other people in our lives and sex workers are no exception. Um, and so, you know, we, we started off doing that and ultimately, like, I really just want to be able to provide, um, 
you know, non-faith-based um, options for people. Uh, a lot of these organizations that provide exit strategies for sex workers, they're faith-based organizations that that are are applying, you know, you know, their you know religious and moral views on porn, and not really looking at this as these things as workers' rights issues. These are workers' right. rights issues, right? right? Like it's you not know, a thing of people harassment. needing to be saved from something. It's more of no, people, people need, needing to be able to to eat to <laughs> work safely, like you work know, safely, like, yeah. Yeah, it's not acceptable for you to get, you know, sexually harassed on your job. It's not, it's not right. okay for us to be sexually harassed on our job either. Right. You know, it's like fair wages, fair working conditions, you know, these are, and strippers have been doing it for a long time in terms mm -hmm. of stripper organizing, but it doesn't, it hasn't really happened in the adult industry. And there's, there's a couple of organizations that are trying to do it. But the thing is, it's like there, none of these organizations are centered on black folks mm. as is always. Of course. And so, you know, for me, you know, being able to, you know, one, take down the, um, this imaginary, um, you know, curtain between the, the criminalized and the legal industry, mm -hmm. um, and, and recognizing that we're, we're all discriminated against the same, we're all, you know, penalized the same, we're all over-policed the same, um, that, you know, we have to join, you know, we have to be able to, to reach across the aisle and, and, and work with each other, right? right. Sex right. workers don't work in a binary. So, um, you know, wanting to make sure that, you know, I can, that I can help people, you know, not just help them when they're in an emergency situation, but also like help them to, you know, really step into being entrepreneurs and, yeah. you know, helping people access technology, helping people to create exit strategies that don't require them to prostrate themselves, you know, and relive their trauma in order to get a food bag. Like, you know what I'm saying? Right. Like, I'm not, Lord. I'm not interested in doing that to people. Like people, people have been through enough shit and to be able to just say, okay, to meet people where they are and to take a harm reduction approach to this work. Mm -hmm. um, is super important to me, you know, ultimately, you know, I just, you know, you know, in the immediate, I want to be able to clear our fucking micro grant application lists. Like, you know, we had over 107 people waiting for, to be funded. Um, you know, we, we give out three $500 micro grants every month and we had 107 people last month. And then this week we got 15 applications on Monday, Damn. you know, and and it's like, like, cause people, people are hurting financially, yeah. and, you know, and yeah. we're dealing with a lot of houselessness, people, you know, who can't, you know, who need food, people who need diapers, um, it's bare and, minimum. You know, well, the bare minimum. And then also people who are looking for, you know, they want to buy camera equipment so that they can expand their, their business. Right. You know? So it's like, like things like that, like, I want to be able to do that, but long-term I'm really inspired by this, by this woman, Cyan. Miss uh, Cyan, um, she runs Glitz, which is a gay, lesbian, and transgender something. I can't think of. I can't think of the acronym, but it's a trans-based um, organization out of Queens. Mm -hmm. She just bought. She she just recently raised a million dollars and bought a brownstone, and it's the Dope. first ever like like housing like you know transitional housing for trans sex workers in New York City. And I'm like super inspired by that. Like that's been on my to-do list for the last decade, like wanting to create opportunities for sex workers to be able to 
transition out of the business if they want to right work make more money if they want to you know I'm motivated by the money and I realized that you know for a lot of these people you know being able to work in the legal sector is a huge deal like having a 1099 you know having direct deposits having a 1099 being able to use you know that gives you access to housing right that gives that gives you access to public benefits. You can't even get food stamps if you can't really, if you can't prove how much money you make. That's like, exactly. you know what I'm saying? Because they, so, they want like bone marrow for you to, to prove that you, and that's absolutely. the thing. When you think about what a draining process it is to deal with every level of the government, especially when the people who hit those props, hit those walls with those processes, the people who are actually paying taxes for those motherfucking services. So it just always, it always cooks my nerves up whenever I think about how we have invested in this bitch. The people who are coming to you right now who need things, who have one foot in the street or already in the street, who have put their money on the table and put their investment in, and they are wanting a return on their investment and they're not getting it. And that is negligence, man. It is. And it's like, you know, and like a lot of people didn't realize that when the pandemic unemployment benefits came out last year, sex workers and people who work online were explicitly written out of those of of that of those bills of that COVID relief bill. So that meant that there were a lot of sex workers, like, you know, sex workers who are doing legal work. And we're not even talking about folks who can't, who who have not been paying into the system because they're doing strictly in-person work or they're working on the street. We're talking about people who work in legal sectors of the industry that have to be taxed. Like I made, I made $71,000 in 2018 and I owed the IRS $10,000 and I still had, and I had to pay the state of New York $3,000. Like, do you know what I'm Mm -hmm. saying? So at the end of the day, like that's, you know, to live in a city, like in to live in New York city, $50,000 ain't shit. Like, do you know what I'm saying? That ain't ain't shit. So imagine the people who aren't even making that, like there's people who are making 20,000, 30,000 or, or just, or making $400 a month. And they right. didn't qualify. Cause there are, you know, like survival sex workers doing just, or people just getting started who are only making a hundred dollars, $400 a month. Right. And it's like, you're telling me that those people don't even qualify for pandemic unemployment benefits. Like they're and unemployed, really, like their, their, their jobs have been impacted. So their jobs have been impacted but because if you work online and that effect, that impacted a lot of gig workers, if you work online, the assumption was that you could still work. Right. Like, do you know what I'm saying? Like your work right. wasn't interrupted. Right. And it's like, uh, no, like everybody's work was interrupted. Everybody. You know saying? So, Each and everybody. Amazing. Everybody. And so it's just, you know, like, like situations like that. I think that, you know, I mean, you know, I really became radicalized in, in 2018. Um, I took part of this project, the, the Sex Worker Giving Circle, which was a, a philanthropic, you know, project out of the Third Wave Fund to, to put sex workers in the position of grant making mm-hmm. and, you know, working with, uh, you know, giving money to sex worker led organizations. Um, you know, where, so that we could really like, it's like you got the community serving the community as opposed to, you know, wealthy, you know, wealthy, you know, or well-to-do white women who are, you know, with the savior savior shit. Yeah. You know, wanting to save poor, you know, poor black and brown folks. It's like that big, that big complex around being servicey for the poor downtrodden dark people. Yes, exactly. (laughs) And so like, you know, when, when I, I took this opportunity and, 
it really taught me a lot about, you know, the kind of work that's being done out there. Um, and, and it let me see what was possible. I mean, I was, I was really moved by two organizations in particular. One is an organization out of New Orleans called Women with a Vision. And at the time they were fundraising for their second annual um, second line, a sex mm. worker second line. And being from, you know, having family roots from New Orleans, um, you know, I, a lot of people didn't really understand what that meant. And, you know, for, for those who are listening, who have seen like the Mardi Gras parades, you know, the second line was really designed to, to honor the dead right. and, you know, to put people in, in a position to be able to honor sex workers who had fallen um, for mm-hmm. whatever reason, whether it was due to violence or, 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 or whatever, you know, illness, right. Um, right. you know, addiction, you know, whatever the case may be, um, that was really, that was really moving to me because it wasn't just about like feeding the poor. It was about, you know, honoring the dead. And, right. and then there's another, there was another organization um, called Street Youth Rise Up out of, out of Chicago, who um, was providing direct services and harm reduction for um, young people in the um, street-based, street-based houseless and home-free um, youth in the sex trade um, in, in Chicago. Mm-hmm. And that to me was just really huge because um, I spent a little bit of time during high school as a, um, a houseless youth. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it was just real, it was really, and definitely, you know, I've come to realize in recent years that I participated in, in some um, survival sex work at that time. And so to, to realize that there were people that were out there not trying, not handing these kids Bibles and trying to get them to come, you know, to go home, you know, trying to, you know, help them go home, right. but providing them materials that they needed to stay safe, particularly during COVID. Right. I mean, these people, these people were going to 99 cent stores and making hand sanitizer to give, you know, buying rubbing alcohol to get these kids hand sanitizer and making masks to get these kids who were living on the street. Mm. And, um, and it was just, it was such powerful work. And, the, and then there's other folks who are also doing a lot of other like direct services work. But for me, like, like that was it. The light bulb was like, oh, <laughs> oh yeah, no, this is, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Like, like, cause a lot of this work I had already been doing, you right. know, it's like there were, I, I was always known to be the person that you could crash at their house. You mm-hmm. know, I was, mm-hmm. I always had somebody sleeping on my couch for two, three months, six months at a time, mm-hmm. you know, is just to be, you know, I was always, you know, I was always the person that was calling everybody over and was like, yo, I'm cooking, come through, you know, like, let me, let me feed you. Yeah. And, you know, so to be able to see the, the way that it was organized, you know, the way people were doing this organizing work, and, and putting the, these, uh, these acts of service into, you know, giving it some structure. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, no, this is, this is for me. This is it. So this is yeah, the final form. Like you find like a, you basically sure. just, yeah, found a way to yeah. just codify the things that you've already been doing and just kind of coalescing them. That's dope. Yep. Yep. And the final form for your, for your career, for you is basically just doing what you're doing now. Or yeah, just blowing exactly. it up. Yeah, just blowing it up. Um, it, it's been a, uh, it's been like quite the journey, and I'm looking forward to moving, you know, more behind the camera. Um, you know, in in I, you know, I always thought that it would, you know, at first I thought it would be directing, and 
you know, I mean, I'm, I'm looking forward to the day when I can just like, you know, be, go out on my, on my farm and grab some eggs and go make my <laughs> coffee and then, and then sit, you know, do some writing and, 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 you know, organize in, in the way that I'm doing yeah. and delegate, you know, delegating to other folks and just expanding the programs. I mean, it's, it's been, it's quite the ride. Like I never would have thought that I would be founding a nonprofit, but, but, Same. but, but it's pretty, it's, it's been, it's, it's probably the most fulfilling work I've ever done. And, you know, the fact that it's not for the money for me to be so, so financially motivated, um, you know, because we, you know, you know, girls got to eat. Yeah. and keep a roof over her head but um, for me to be so financially motivated and find so much pleasure in work that doesn't pay me mm. is lets me know that there's that there's something here yeah. um that I need to explore I love sure. that that's dope mm. so um my fourth question is what advice would you give someone who was interested in your work what advice would I give someone interested in getting into my work? Um, do the research, uh, do the research first, you know, find community, you know, start to enter, you know, create um, pathways to, uh, you know, create pathways to community, whether that's, you know, getting engaged in sex work Twitter, because, you know, because mm-hmm. just like there's black Twitter, there's sex mm-hmm. work Twitter, mm-hmm. you know, getting, you know, be getting up on, on legislation also mm-hmm. um, and, and investing in, you know, investing in your career in, in, in that way, even before the money, because mm-hmm. you, you know, knowledge is, is the most powerful thing that we have and will save you a lot of headache, um, you know, learn so so engaging in community so that you can get that information, I think is the first step. Mm-hmm. And then really thinking about like your brand. You know, I always tell people, you know, I'm a big fan of authentic branding because it's really hard to pretend to be something that you're not <laughs> like <laughs> over the over the long term, right? Yeah. Like you could yeah. pull it off short term, but to have to be something that someone that you're not like day in and day out, you know, in every way that you engage is really hard. Um, so I, I am a, you know, I really encourage people to think about what their brand looks like before they even start to produce content, Mm. um, because you want to be, and, and be very clear about your boundaries, um, because people will ask you to do all kinds of things. Mm -hmm. And if you have not, you know, and the money might be right, but if you haven't, um, you know, the internet is forever. So it's Amen. like making sure that you are clear on your boundaries so that you can step into the work, you know, being proud of the work that you're doing, not having any guilt or shame built around it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, and, and that comes with boundary setting and, and also, and then also find a good therapist because mm-hmm. I mean, and everybody, I think everybody should have therapy, yeah. but find a good therapist because, you know, the, the intersection of, you know, racial fetishization and marginalization um, and sexism with this work can be really daunting. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, it helps to have a sex positive, sex work friendly um, therapist that you, who you can, you know, bounce off of. Yeah. And yeah. Um, so that you can, you know, you can stay grounded you right. know, in the work that you're doing. That's, that's great advice. I mean, just over, uh, just in general, um, yeah, has been helpful to me. I had to, I finally embraced it 
last year mm-hmm. yeah last year was just difficult so it was it was just time at that point but yeah it helps you navigate the things that you need to navigate and helps you you know articulate things that you're not able to really fully articulate by yourself so absolutely and I, and, and as you know and as 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 black women you know it is you know we're we're taught we're trained to push it down anyway mm-hmm. Right. And so putting ourselves last and putting ourselves last. And I think that, you know, we, you know, for myself, at least I can speak for myself. Like I, you know, like everybody, like I've, I've experienced all kinds of traumas, like, you know, whether it's, you know, big traumas like cancer and, or car accidents Mm. or, you know, or, or sexual assault, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, or, or little traumas like, you know, being pushed to be the best and, you know, academically and, you know, or isolation because of, you know, whatever, like, you know what I'm saying? Because of the, of um, work, you know, living and working and going to school and like predominantly white, you know, with predominantly white people, like, you know, these are all traumas that our bodies experience. And, you know, you know, for me, like I've, I've definitely have started to come to understand, like even the connection between, those things, those issues, and my ability to make money, you know, it's like my, or my ability to view myself as being worthy of making more money, Mm. you know, the difference between like someone like myself and someone like, you know, you know, someone who's making $20,000 a month on, on OnlyFans is the way in which we've processed, you know, uh, processed, you know, various experiences in our lives. Right. right. Um, that allow you to feel that allow you to look at it and say, you know what? Yeah, I, I do just, you know, I do deserve to make this make twenty thousand dollars a month. Let me let let me let me let me get at it. You know what I'm saying? Let me be right. on 24, 24 hours a day. Like, do you know what I'm saying? And so, <laughs> like, you know, you know, it's so it's so it's important to be able to have places to take, you know, other things in your life so that you can one feel worthy of making more money right. and to um, and I actually like I'm work I'm reading this book right now called uh overcoming under earning mm. by Barbara Manny mm-hmm. that's all it's all about like you know releasing you know overcoming money blocks and money fears so that you can like earn you know earn what earn what you deserve is what she says I know that's um right. But yeah, I mean, it's, you know, I just think that, you know, these are, these kinds of things are super important because we, you know, we, if we don't, if we don't address them, then how do you make more money? Or when you start to make the money, how do you keep it? You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just, how how do you not just blow it as soon as it walks through the, walks through the door? Like, Mm -hmm. that's a money block. Like, do you know what I'm saying? How how do you manage the money? So it's, um, and there's, you know, this, this is, this money is just, it's just like being an athlete, you know, you can jump into this shit and make a t- shit ton of money right away. But if you don't have like all the proper, you know, folks or the right folks around you, if you don't have, a, you know, a bookkeeper an accountant, you know, to be able to help you manage the money, like it's going to be gone. That's you know true. what I'm saying? So, I mean, it's like all those cats who were like athletes at the top of their game. And by the time they ended their careers, they were broke as shit. Like they didn't have the na- the way to navigate, because especially because folks like more often than not they come from like poverty or like money insecurity, you know, food insecurity, all that sort of thing. Nobody talks about how to move once the money is here. Like once you start getting money, 
how to change your relationship to it after. So yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. Yep, changing your relationship with money or, you know, even having, even the, the feeling like you have the, you know, you have the obligation to give it all away. Like that's, right. that's a money block too. Like, yeah. you know what I'm saying? So, yeah. Um, you know, it's, there's, there's a lot, I mean, to, to think about and unpack and, 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 you know, people don't, don't usually draw, you know, find the correlation between these things, but I, you know, it's, I look at it like it's any other business, you know, it's like, you have to learn how you have to think about your brand, right. You have to figure out, you know, before you even shoot content, what is my brand? You know, how do I want to present myself? How do, how do I want people to see me? Who's my audience that I'm, that I'm, that I'm going after? Like, you know what I'm saying? It's, you know, and how am I going to market myself? Am I going to, what, what platforms am I going to use? Do I want to talk to people on the phone? Do I want to text with people? Am I more comfortable texting than I am talking on the phone? Like for me, like I, I like doing phone sex, but I have people in my house all day staffers in the house my 23 year old is is running around like I can't talk to people on the phone until 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 after eight o'clock at night what I can do is text them like do you know what I'm saying um you know am I am I am I going to do webcam like what kind of what kind of time do I have to dedicate to doing those things you know what I'm saying like am I going to shoot photos am I going to shoot videos am I going to do lit lit erotica like there's there's so many different things that you can do right you know and it's like but to really think about it in terms of, of like, what, what, what is your ideal? Like how much money do you need to, what is your, what are your bills look like? How right. much money do you need to make? Are you going to spread this out across multiple platforms? Mm-hmm. Are you going to like, how much time do you have to dedicate to like lot, you know, to, to, to live, you know, to interactive work, yeah. you know, so the camming, the phone sex, the texting, you know, are you, you know, it's like, these are, these are all things to consider right like yeah, you know, are, yeah. are you into just so like starting any other business you have to think of like what your target audience business. is yes just like starting any other business exactly all just those like things that other- you have to keep in mind and your overhead and what you're willing to spend on your budgeting and all that sort of thing it's it's all the same kind yep. of thing yep and 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 then keeping and then keeping track like for the first last year for the first time i i hired an assistant and she was really fantastic with project management Mm-hmm. I hadn't been using project management management software for my for my adult work. Like all of my shit was in my head, you know. And having someone to come in and put it all down on paper, and and also because like I'm an ideas person, I manifest things very easily. So it's like if I come up with something, I like I like to experiment with. You know, I'm a free spirit. So if I decide I'm throwing a film festival, I'm throwing a film festival, and I'm good at everything that I touch. So it's like it's very hard for me to like rein myself in sometimes but having someone sit down and put it all out on paper and I was and it's like okay so we're going to look at this we're going to do this in Q1 we're going to do this in Q2 this is how we're going to scale up we're going to do this blah 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 blah. like you know it's like you know it became it you know it allowed me to really streamline my business you know and 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 so and that's and that's changed everything for me you know it's like I'm start I'm starting to see myself making more money and, and, and delegating has changed, has changed the game because I, you know, I've been doing this for 26 years. So I don't want to necessarily have to chat with people 24 hours a day. Right. Like, do you know what I'm saying? I yeah. want to be able to clock out, but knowing that I can clock out or focus on, you know, this advocacy work that I'm doing, 
which, you know, knowing that there's somebody else that's going to be going in and they're going to be scheduling the post and they're going to be right. Like, it's just like any, like, again, it's again, like any other business where you get the help that you need so that you can spend the time on the parts of the business that you need to focus on Mm -hmm. and have somebody else, if you can delegate it out, have them do that other stuff. And that's like the major key for every business. If they can get to a point where they could delegate out so they could really focus on the stuff that they really want to focus on. That's, that's like the magic spot right there. That's it. That's it. Exactly. And I, I mean, it's, and it's hard for, you know, it's hard to let go. Like I'm a Capricorn. So (laughs) it's really hard for me to let go sometimes and let other people do the job. Right. Um, Like even now, like I have people who are in my accounts they're, you know, they're in my premium, my paid plat, my paid platforms, like my OnlyFans, my Sex Panther, my Night Flirt. And I still like once a day, I go in and I look and see what they've been posting and what they're saying and like, what images are they using? And sometimes I'll go in, I'll take something down and I'll be like, don't use that. That needs to be edited. You know, like it's like, or don't use that. That one's sold to this company. Like, you know, like things like that. But it's, it's getting me to think more like, and you know, it's like, I've always been an entrepreneur. Right. But working with other people ha- is getting me to think more like a boss, right? Like and getting yeah. me to think about like, how do I grow and expand my business? How do I, sca- you know, how can I scale it up um, so that I can ramp it down? Right. right? You know, it's right. Like ultimately, if I want to be able, I, I think that most people should come into the, and it's, it's not the case because a lot of people come into the business out of need. Right. But I think that if you have the means um, and you know that you want to make this a career, you have to come into it thinking about the exit strategy. The same yeah. way that, that that these big tech companies come in, you have to think about what the exit strategy is going to be. And, and knowing what that number is, is the best is the best way to figure that out. Like we all have a number. We may not know what it is, but we all have a number that would allow us to re- retire comfortably. Right. And so for me, that's, that's, that's the move. Right. Know? Like, where's that cash out moment? Like, you know, just like you said, like the tech outfits, like what, what's that big dollar we're trying to get to so we can cash out and move on to the next project. Got gotcha. you. And move on to the next. Got gotcha. you. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So my final question, <laughs> my final question is what is the worst job you've ever had? Oh my God. <laughs> the worst job I ever had was um oh my gosh there's a tie but okay so I'll actually the first one that popped into my head um when I was 14 and I worked at this family video store around the corner from my house Mm -hmm. it was it was super cute um you know and I was you know I got to put the adult titles back but I actually was only I wasn't supposed to have been hired because I was so young and they had the adult section right yeah the reason I was hired is because the manager was setting the place up to be robbed what? by her boyfriend. So they were coming in and they, you know, she scheduled me one night to come in, you know, for, to, to work by myself, which meant that I was working the register Mm-mm. and I'm 14, Mm-mm. you know, this is, and this is also the eighties. So, so I'm working the register, like I'm, you know, I'm, I'm doing the transactions and she had me booked by myself and um, her boyfriend and a friend came in, masks on, guns drawn, and what? demanded that I demanded the register and demanded this. Did I open the safe? And 
And that was, you know, I, it was, you know, I was so pissed. I remember, I distinctly remember I, not being scared. I was pissed because it was happening on my, sh- on my dime. Right. Like it was happening Same. on my shift. Like, you yeah. know, because I had never been in any kind of experience like that, but that was the worst job I've ever had because of that situation. It was also my first encounter with law enforcement mm. because I had to then go to the precinct and I had to like, you know, the police came in, you know, I, you know, I called my, I called my boss, I called my parents, the police came, I had to go to the precinct, I had to sit and give them the whole story and be recorded and I had to oh, give them wow. a sketch and I had to like you know go through the whole thing what kind of gun that they have I'm like I don't know it was black like you know <laughs> it was playing like, in my face that's all I remember <laughs> Jesus. yeah like it was it was a gun like it was I don't, what the fuck do I know what the gun looked like it was fucking black and it was like it was it was scary right um but yeah I mean that was my worst job ever because well, yes um, it, you know oh up position um, I mean most jobs shouldn't have gunplay like that number one <laughs> no no not at all and this was still like before like bulletproof you know windows became yeah, a thing yeah you know? so was, they were literally across the counter from me <laughs> like oh <God>. you know <laughs> but yeah she wound up getting arrested right along with them because yeah. you know it, it turned out that that this is what was happening um, that she was setting up the place up and the place had been robbed before. Mm. And you know, of course she, she didn't reveal that to me during the interview process, but they just, you know, the, even, even the, the police were kind of like, you're, you, you know, I didn't even have a work permit. Do you know what I mean? Like it's cause I was only 14 and it was like, you had to be 16 to get a work permit. So it, it became very obvious that that's what was happening. But yeah, um, worst job ever. Thank you for asking me that. <laughs> <You know what? laughs> Bringing up old trauma. I, I obviously, my had to get off my chest. <laughs> oh my <God. laughs> that that is a fucking terrible job. Fucked <laughs> up job. Yeah. Oh wow, and then and for yeah, scared after- shit too. Wow. Well, I'm glad yeah, they got man. locked up for that bullshit. So fuck them. <laughs> she got locked up for that bullshit. And she was black. I was so mad. I was like, are you serious? You always expect <laughs> more, man. I, so this is, a, this is a theme that's been coming up whenever I do ask people this question and they, they work with black folks or they were working for a black firm and they're like, yo, it was terrible. And, if, and it's like, every time I hear it, it's like, damn, that's the worst because you expect more you, because we deal with so much more. You expect more from each other and then when it doesn't happen it's like man yeah and not for nothing like I you know I I had a corporate gig for a half a heartbeat and I could not with the long fucking blog posts as emails and (laughs) not I could not with the like need for being appreciated and the, you know, the idea, like I felt like I was in a toxic relationship Mm. and, you know, and that, and that was not a a black, a black owned company, but Mm -hmm. it it reminded me that I'm not cut out for corporate because I'm like, this shit is literally just business. Like it doesn't have nothing to do with (laughs) anything. We're not a family. Like it doesn't have anything to do with like, like this shit is not personal. Like, you know, I'm gonna. I'm here to help us get to the money. You know, <laughs> like, I'm like, I'm just, and it's so funny. In order all. to be to do well, like people really try to sell a narrative about, oh, we're all a team. Nah, B, we all out here trying to pay bills. 
Like some of us are just in here for the cash, like, and they don't appreciate it when you're keeping it to the bottom line. Because in the end, it is about the bottom line. Because when it's time to start firing cats, that's what they go point to the money. So like, why should you act as if is as if y'all are like partying down together and y'all living together and y'all are family? Because you're not. Because fam will not fire you. (laughs) You can't get fired out of a family. I mean, you can. Won't think twice about and won't think twice about replacing you either. Thanks. You know. Um, so I just, yeah, I'm, I'm for sure. I'm all about like making sure that I find that I have work that, that feels good to me. Yeah. I mean, for many years, like for the first eight years I was in porn, I was also working in retail. Like mm. it took me a long time to give up my retail jobs because I liked having a steady paycheck. And as a single mom, you know, that 50% off at Gap Kids was like, was clutch. I know that's you know right. So, <laughs> uh, you know, when, when I got ready to outfit my kitchen, I went to work for Williams-Sonoma so I could get all the Calphalon. You know? <laughs> <laughs> um, so I came up, I had a friend that worked at Williams-Sonoma and she let me, she hit me off with the friends and family discount. And I, yeah. I hooked up, like, I still have the best the best cooking utensils I've ever had in my entire life. Those things are solid. Nothing is happening to them. They'll be around right. for generations. That's right. And and I liked and I like to you know I'm a good salesperson like in general just because of the type of education that I got. You know I I went to mostly gifted magnet schools. Mm. You know my whole career, my whole you know K through twelve I was in gifted magnet schools. So mm-hmm. it was you know I got I got a chance to really have like the kind of education that's that's ideal to learning how to set up a business, run a business from an early age. Right. You know, I mean, we, we were doing city planning. I just did an, an interview last week with someone who was, or earlier this week with someone I went to grade school with, and we were talking about how we had a city planning class in the fifth grade. That's you wild. Know? It's like, you know, and so, so sales, came, sales came really, really quick and easy for me. Mm-hmm. Um, because really you're just getting to the core of why people, why people want certain things, right? you know, um, right. the psychology of, of the, of the, of buying and the product, um, which, which makes me a really great hoe. Because so. <laughs> <laughs> in the end uh, it's sales, it, it is still sales. It's the sales. You gotta get the buy-in. <laughs> you gotta get the buy-in and, you know, and just thinking about it in, in that term, like, you know, it just, you know, why do people want the things that they want? And it, which also leads to, some of the work that I'm doing in my, you know, the nonprofit work I'm doing, you know, because a, a lot of the ways in which black and brown people are portrayed is, and, and, and fetishized and exoticized, yep. it has to do with the, you know, the ways in which, you know, cis white men justify, or, you know, their, their attraction to, or their lack of attraction to. Alleged of lack of attraction. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, and that's, and that's not even, and it's not just about, you know, it's not not even just porn. I mean, we can go back to the 1700s and see the ways in which, you know, black and brown women were exoticized mm-hmm. in, you know, in fine art, you yeah. know? And, and so, you know, it's the same shit, different medium. Like they had cats um, covering up their hair because it was just too interesting and they didn't want to lead anybody astray. So they had to change their behavior because these cats couldn't be trusted right. to change that's their fucking behavior. That's right. Mm-hmm. And then, and also those kinds of, those kinds of really fucked up narratives uh, about, you know, you know, about desire for, mm-hmm. you know, the exotic, mm-hmm. um, it, it allows people to, it, it, it brings, it brings about harm. It's harmful. Yeah. Like, period. It's harmful. Yeah, absolutely. And it's the reason why, 
you know, people, you know, it's the reason why, you know, serial killers who, who go after, uh, you know, you know, street-based prostitutes because they feel like nobody's going to miss them. You know, exactly. I was just talking about this with my husband. I was like, that's the reason why in black neighborhoods, serial killers can go for years and years and take bodies yeah. out of here because yeah. cats just say, oh, well, she's a runaway. Oh, she was probably a prostitute. Oh, she was probably this. Oh, she was right. on drugs. So nobody will miss her. And cats run through entire generations with that kind yeah. of shit. Yeah. And that's and, institutionalized and ass fucking shit at that, you know? Yeah. And, and it's the reason why, you know, Black trans women mm-hmm. are assaulted and murdered regularly. And yeah. we're, you know, we, we're not hearing about their stories, right. you know, and and, not, and if we do hear about their stories, we have to deal with, you know, these, we have to deal with misgendering mm-hmm. and, you know, Call them by their dead names and all that bullshit, their dead names and shit like that. And it's like, you know, people don't really you know, it's like we, you know, people talk about liberation, you know, black liberation and wanting, you know, wanting us to, you know, wanting, you know, us to have, you know, black lives matter, but it's mm-hmm. like, it's really only some black lives that matter right. to some people, you know, exactly. it's like we're still using freedom the, for some, know, but as, not freedom for all freedom for some, or, you know, or as Audre Lorde would say them, you know, use trying to use the master's tools to dismantle the master's house. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's work. like, you, you can't, you can't give, you can't just, um, you know, you can't put, use respectability politics when you're talking about liberation. Say that again for the people in your back. Because there's a lot of people who are very, very, very engaged and married to that idea. And I tell you what, you in a suit ain't going to let you live. Like, like man's them that just died recently. Um, The cat who wrote those, um, our kind of people books and got the nose job and had his babies dressed like Carlton Banks in hopes that the police wouldn't kill them. He ran his whole life that way, seeking that kind of, you know, right. acceptance and went to the grave. And I know he didn't get it. I know he didn't get That's it. Right. That's right. I mean, look at Cornell West. That nigga don't even have tenure. Isn't that <laughs> like... some shit? Isn't that some shit? As long as he been at them schools, carrying in the banner and shit and look how they played him man's is at the, at the, the union seminary again where he started ain't that some shit wow that's some shit like like wow. that shit don't mean nothing it, it literally mean- means fuck all because in the end yeah. they'll still fucking play you <laughs> ain't it some so something? Mm. yeah and so it's like we have to you know we have to remember that like we are it doesn't matter if you are you know, uh, you know, super, super uber successful and super uber, you know, have the finest suit on and, you know, mm-hmm. the finest threads. Like, the, the cop surely did pull up on billionaire ass Dr. Dre in front of his house and pull the toolies out on him like he ain't on that house and like he ain't put his name on a building at USC. They still treated him That's like right. a nigger. And, you know, and I, I was just, I was following, you know, I follow Questlove on, on Twitter and, and we've been actually, he's the person who got me on Twitter, but he posted a thread a couple weeks ago about the fact that, you know, he bought this, he bought this new house and, you know, he, it's like, he's got like some farm in Pennsylvania somewhere, I think it is, or upstate New York. I can't remember, mm-hmm. but somebody, some white dude walked up in his house. What? Like, you know, like, came, like came to the, came to the door, didn't knock, just walked up in there to see who the fuck was in there. No. And like, and he'd on television every night. And had every been fucking for night. Like, for years. Multiple books. Directed movies and shit. 
Wow. It's like, you know, it's like, it's like, you know, people, people forget that your, your respectability politics are not going to, are not going to save you. Save you if they're going to they're going to criminalize poverty they're going to yep. penalize people for trying to you know for for not for not allowing themselves to be poor right you know it's like if you you know if i choose you know i mean porn is legal and we're and these websites are still trying to scrub us from the internet because of the fact that there's these fucked up ass federal banking red mm-hmm. you know, um, vice clauses and federal banking regulations right in a legal fucking industry Ain't so it's something? like you're gonna tell me i can work in a legal industry but because some people have a moral disdain for the work that i do that you can legally discriminate against me like that's some ain't that some bullshit like so you're not gonna high grade uncut bullshit you're going to give me, you're going to discriminate against me if I do get a traditional job, right. like the EMT. Mm-hmm. Is, like they played old girl about her OnlyFans. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's and like, also the, the question is, well, if her EMT job was paying, paying, would she have? Why is she not paying her enough? We're in the middle of a fucking global pandemic. Why does the fucking EMT have to move? Why, do, why is she on OnlyFans to, to supplement her fucking income? She shouldn't have to fucking do that. One of these no. things is not like the other, boy. Like it's, <laughs> no, it's not. And it's like, and it's like the fact that, you know, my hope is that as more and more people are, you know, starting to, you know, supplement their income or use these kinds of legal sex work to be able to supplement their income. It's not just the 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 young woman who's who's you know trying to you know strip her way through college mm-hmm. it's like a lot more people who are really just like you know like i need to i need to pay my rent like right. do you know what i'm saying like it's yeah. like as I, I, my hope is that as that is exploding more that it become and it's becoming more acceptable to do yeah. this kind of labor that you know we can start to destigmatize do you yeah. know what i'm saying we can destigmatize the work and push people towards you know towards you know, we, we need to make sure that we have decriminalization of sex work for all people, you know, yeah. it's, you know, all kinds of sex work, because, you know, people should not be, you know, trans people should not be getting, you know, stopped and arrested because they're assumed that to be, you know, working as, as street-based sex workers. Right. Like, and I know they just, they just passed a law scrapping that after like a billion yeah. years. Yeah. In New York. And it was yeah. so funny. I was watching an old episode of Sex in the City recently. That that show has aged like an old banana. But I was watching an episode where Samantha had moved to the meatpacking district. Yeah, the meatpacking. And she was and she was dealing with these trans ladies that were outside. And yep. and like she called the cops on them and the cops just told them to move along. I was like, that's fiction in the motherfucker. They'd have rounded them girls up and took their asses yeah, right the fuck to jail. You kidding me? Give me a break. I remember the first time I saw that episode because I was a big Sex and the City fan back then. Same, same. But that 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 apartment, that loft that Samantha had, was right across from what used to be. It's funny because when I think about that corner now, Hmm. um, that that right across the street was this club called Hellfire, Mm. which was a PSM club. Mm. Um, It's a what is it? It's that Mexican place now with the good margaritas um you know where the apple store is mm-hmm. right on port on that corner right there, on that corner that's where that's where it was yeah, right? i know the mexican they, place you're talking about that place is good yes they, they, have have, the they really do have good margaritas in <laughs> <it>. <laughs> <laughs> 
I can't remember why I was over there, but I met somebody over there. I think I went to the Apple store actually. And I met a friend over and we, we went in there and we, yes, you are correct. <laughs> As the pictures, the pictures of margaritas. Yes. Yep. I, I missed time in New York. I hope that yeah. we can all get back to I hope we can. I hope we can. <laughs> I hope a lot of people don't start lying to kick it because that's what's going to happen next. They're going to lie to kick it. <laughs> I know. I know. I've already started getting that. I've already started getting people who are like, oh, I'm, um, oh, you know, I've got, I've, I've been vaccinated. I got my papers. Like somebody sent me that like a month ago and I was like, they just issued the vaccines. You ain't vaccinated <laughs> yet. Like, what are you talking about? Like, Please get out of like, my yeah. face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah no it's already it's already problematic like I yeah have, i'm getting my people. second dose and i'm still not trying to be out in these streets like these people because a lot of people are gonna fucking lie to kick it and you're not gonna fucking hoodwink me bitch not me i ain't gonna no. be all faced in these streets for a while no. <laughs> i know i know like i'm kind of i'm kind of hoping like i'm waiting for summer but i'm still like i can't even really get my hot girl summer on because people are still like walking around dude like i have friends who i really love and respect and i'm looking at them on vacations and fucking in bars and restaurants mm-hmm. and like can't all do doing all the things and i'm like i cannot with you like mm-hmm. i don't want to know no i'm no. like but but that's you know people got to get it how they live you know yeah it's, i mean they're welcome to it but i'm gonna be in the house i'm gonna be on the front steps drinking <laughs> i'll come by, i'll come by for some stoop drinks yes please you are always <laughs> welcome <laughs> well that was my last question you made it to the end <laughs> Yay. So where can the people find you and what are you working on? Yeah, um, people can find me at singleinbrooklyn.com. That is my, it's a a central hub for all things cinnamon love. It'll direct you to all the places where you can give me money um, (laughs) and and see me me naked on the internet. and which is which is always a good time and um yeah and that's it right now um i am launching a podcast this year yay i'm excited about super excited about um i've been i just i just signed up signed on with a producer who's going to produce the show for me so i'm excited about that single in brooklyn is coming very 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 soon hey looking Um, forward to it yeah, and and we'll talk about it after after we, we pre- stop pressing the court. But yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, and that's it. Um, I'm just gonna be. I'm gonna continue to get naked, and I'm gonna continue to like help the people. And you know, if folks are interested in um, donating to the microgrant fund, like I'm really excited to ask people to do that. Um, we recently started a um, a film festival we're doing a month like monthly film screenings of Mm. adult creators and their work nice um so that we can amplify and highlight some creators that are um you know don't normally get the kind of shine that they need and deserve in order to be able to be able to make more money um you know everybody likes to watch porn so it's like this is a way for people to you know to to watch some porn and at the same time put money into the pockets of the creators so um yeah I mean I'm I'm just really excited to be able to do this work and people can just look forward to more of that well that is awesome and I'm looking forward to seeing it well thank you so much for joining me on mostly max and other things (laughs) this was so much fun and I'm glad I'm glad we got to do this (laughs) me too I'm so glad that we were able to put this together
And that was my discussion with the amazing Cinnamon Love. Um, it was super insightful. Um, I love how thoughtful she is about the work that she does. And, you know, it was, you know, educational about all of the challenges that, um, you know, people in the adult industry and sex work as a whole face with, you know, the state being the state. So I hope you enjoyed it because I know I did. So now let's get in to these key takeaways. Today's one and only key takeaway is stop engaging with people who are operating in bad faith. Stop feeding trolls who say stupid shit as a brand because it keeps them eating. And what you need to do is starve them. As I mentioned at the top of the show, um, the police in, I believe, Columbus, Ohio, murdered a 15-year-old, 15 or 16-year-old girl named Makia Bryant. And the usual, you know, pack of trolls who like to stir shit up on these internets came out and forced to talk the shit that they normally talk. And, you know, I get it. People are feeling a lot of feelings and they want to clap on a hoe and these bitches make very good targets. But the fact of the matter is dry dicked shitheads and dry ass pussy owners do not deserve your well-reasoned 40 tweet threads. They deserve nothing but derision and scorn and paying them dust is the best thing you can do because those people get to the shmoney every time you engage with them. So, you know, propping these motherfuckers up, knowing that they are not operating in good faith is like a waste of fucking time. Because the fact of the matter is, nothing you say to them is going to change their minds. They are fully formed shitbirds. So it doesn't make any sense to fucking waste your time on those motherfuckers and normalize paying them dust. And that's pretty much my key takeaway for this week. I do not have another one. I am fucking tired. I feel like I say this every week now. I'm fucking tired. I'm tired. Like, it's not a second or a week or a day that goes by where these cats are not out here killing kids, killing other people's babies. Like, the fuck, man? The fuck? Like, I'm tired. Like, bone marrow deep motherfucking tired. And I just, I feel fucking broken because, like, the shit happens and I can't even muster up a whole lot of anger, the anguish. It's like it's a dull hum all the time. And it's 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 goddamn draining. I, I I'm so tired. <laughs> That's all I can say. I'm just I'm so tired. Like this is not sustainable, B. Like something has to fucking give. Like how many people who mind in a business, like you you're supposed to call these motherfuckers for help and they pull up and they murder you? Like, what? And going back to the whole thing of fucking bad faith. Oh, well, she had a weapon. They ain't not the fucking judge, jury, and executioner of shit. They know how to de-escalate. We know this. We get different fucking examples of this shit every time. Every time. I don't even gotta run the list. Y'all already know. So I just... I don't know, man. I don't know. All this shit got to go in the garbage. That's all I know. And um, 
basically, y'all, all we can do is take care of ourselves and try to find joy where we can. And um, hopefully everybody's finding ways to do that and still taking care of themselves and wash those hands. Wash your cloth masks, people. They're meant to be washed. Wash those joints. If you haven't washed your mask in a while, you should probably wash it today. You're welcome. Anywho, get to the to the vaccines if you can. Keep washing your hands. Definitely wash those masks. And I will talk to you next week. <laughs>